Welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. I'm your host, Dan Lewis. Who is the spiritual leader of your family? Is it you, your pastor, your spouse, the media? Do you know? I did. And sadly, no one was taking responsibility to lead our family. Well, friends, someone needs to take that job, and that man is you. You may not feel qualified, and some days I don't. With the help of God and a community of dads helping each other on their journey, you can be the leader your family deserves. We welcome you to the Journey of the Christian Dad podcast. All right, guys, as I say every week, I'm so, so, so fired up. I cannot wait to get this one rolling. So before we begin, I'll, I'll do the quick review of the week. So this one comes in from Arizona Kid 988. So Arizona Kid, thank you for the review on Apple Podcast titled Awesome, five stars. This is a great pod with an amazing mission. It challenges me with my leadership, with my family. Short, simple, sweet. Appreciate the compliment, appreciate the written words so that hopefully somebody else sees your review and decides, hey, I'll, I'll check this podcast out. So without further ado, let's just roll right into it. We have got a guy today that I've been excited to talk about for a super long time. And as, as things happen, we got connected in a very unexpected way. And guys, if you're considering, I don't know if I'm going to listen to this one or not, just trust me. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to talk about, but just trust me. I was telling Frank Schwartz, I'm like, dude, we could go for eight hours today and just kill it and just put people into a retreat type setting. We won't go that long. I promise you. However, I've got Frank Schwartz with me, alter ego named uh, Dark Helmet. And yes. he's the leader of this really, really cool group. You guys have heard me talk about a group called F3. Uh, we don't have to get totally wrapped up into F3, but anyway, we're going to, we're going to dive into some leadership. We're going to dive into some face, some family, and without further ado, I'm fired up to introduce Frank Schwartz to you guys and Frank Letter Rip, man. Welcome. Uh, well, man, I, I appreciate you having me on, man. This is a, uh, it's an honor and I, and uh, I think we'll have some fun today and, and I'm excited for what you guys are doing with F3 out in, uh, in St. Louis area, you know, St. Charles and all that. And, um, we just, I, I love everything about what I'm, what I'm doing there. And, and I'm excited to talk about being a dad, because I think that's what this is a, a lot about. Right. So, you know, as I was telling somebody the other day, I said, you know, I, I've done a lot of things in my life and there's a, there's a few that I feel like I can point at and go, okay, you know what? I I've had some success there and, uh, and without sounding too arrogant about it or anything like that, but I really feel like as a husband and father, like, I feel like, you know what? I haven't, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't failed miserably there. Like I have in many other areas, right? So, so I'm excited to be on and, and talk to you, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, let's back up before we get into how your parenting style came around and, and your thoughts around that. Sure. How'd you grow up? Uh, in a general sense? A uh, general sense, maybe, maybe what your dad was like. Oftentimes we look to our dad as a guide or we look as yeah. an opportunity, you know, but. So but we, yeah, I, I worked with a dude. And uh, we, we call this the Bridget Yuki theory of life. Uh, that was his mom's name. Okay. And uh, she said, you know, you can either be a, a good example or a hideous warning. And, <laughs> and probably all of us are those things at, at different times. Right. But I would say in a, in a, in a general sense, a lot of what I learned to do as a dad, I learned uh, from doing the opposite of, of what my dad would do, you know? And I, I do think, you know, and this is my personal uh, opinion, obviously, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer that uh, however the, 
the father goes in the home, whether that's with whatever it may may be, whether that's faith or whether that's fitness or whether, you know, whatever those things are, um, however, the father goes is, is largely going to be how the, the, the home goes and how the family, you know, the family goes, the kids, especially, right. We grew up in a, in a very, uh, strict, very almost domineering type, uh, home, you know, everything was, uh, you you weren't allowed to do very much. Um, everything was very tightly controlled, you know, sometimes the things got uh, heated and out of control. And, uh, and I think the, the biggest difficulty that we had was it was, it was largely unpredictable. Like you never really knew from one day to the next, like, is he going to be in a good mood? <laughs> you know, is he going to be in a bad mood? You know, and, and it just, uh, he was a guy who I honestly believe uh, did the best that he could with the resources that he had. And I think he improved probably 10 times over what his dad was like. You know, I, I think he probably had vast improvement. I never met his dad. His dad uh, passed away before I was even born. But okay. um, just, you know, stories that I've heard, you know, I kind of go, hmm, okay. I, I think he probably improved greatly over that. And I think he had his heart in the right place. And I think he tried really hard to be the best dad he knew how to be. And sometimes it, it was good and sometimes it wasn't, you know, and, and, and we learned a lot about I think uh, what we didn't like, you know, and, and what we didn't want to repeat and breaking some cycles of, of uh, just some pretty, pretty tough, tough parenting style, you know, without getting, you yeah. know, you always got to yeah, be careful yeah, what yeah. you say, right? Your dad's still alive. You know what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want exactly. to hear this and be like, what the heck? But uh, no, my, I, you know, I, I think so growing up in that, he was, um, you know, one of the other things that was tough sometimes was, you know, he was, um, an oral surgeon and, uh, and had his own practice and everything like that. And so, you know, uh, he worked a lot, I mean, a lot. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, you know, whereas, you know, we know a lot of dental professionals in the world, you know, of of one kind or another, you know, it's like, Hey, we take Fridays off. I don't don't remember if my dad ever took Fridays off. And, and then later, later in, in life, you know, when we were starting to get a little older and things like that, you know, he opened a different kind of clinic and it was with the the intent of really serving uh, sort of the underprivileged and things like that. And it, which was wonderful, but it required even more work, you know, for him to maintain the lifestyle that he, he wanted to maintain. It required even more work. And my mom worked there as well. And, and it was always kind of a source of, of tension and, and frustration, I think, in their marriage and stuff. And so, you know, as we got older, it, it, it got even a little tougher. And, and unfortunately, uh, I think I'm pretty much the only one out of my, there were, there were six of us uh, uh, kids. And I think I'm pretty much the only one that really has regular contact with them anymore. Um, because it was, a, it was, you know, candidly, it was a tough, tough, tough growing up uh, experience. You know, you just, it's a lot of, a uh, lot of anger, a lot of yelling, a lot of, you know, those kinds of things, but some of that's generational, mm-hmm. you know, and some of that is, uh, is, you know, again, just not having the, the skills. And I mean, you know, it's so funny to, to talk about being a parent now versus being a parent, you know, 30 years ago. Right. I mean, it's, it's like night and day. You know, yes. so many more resources, so much more socially acceptable for us to talk about certain kinds of things, so much more known about, you know, the, the way that we impact our kids. And, and I think on the whole, as a, as a people in our country, anyway, I think we're, we're much more emotionally intelligent than we were, you know, 30 years ago or 40 years ago, you know I mean? And so it's, it's, it's to compare my growing up versus my you know, the way that I do things is it, it, it's almost like, you know, it's kind of like uh, apples and tennis shoes. Like we're not even, we're not even comparing fruit anymore, you know, apples and oranges, right. forget that. Right. It's like, you know, what, what are you talking about? Right. So it's um so, you know, all that said, you know, I think my, my dad's a good man who, who 
worked his butt off to try and provide a good life for us and, um, and worked really hard to, you know, to, to try and love us and, and do the things you knew how to do, but just wasn't emotionally prepared to do, you know, all the things that we would know to do now or, or do it different. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you a hundred percent having the resources, the community around you and all those type things. I know you and I kind of run similarly uh, because of who you're plugged into and things. So right. we've, we've got that community around us where when things aren't quite right, you feel it in your gut and you're like, Hey man, Oh yeah. Thing. Have you got any, you know, and you've right. got people that can help where I don't know that a lot of the dads back then had that. Oh, I don't even know if my dad, I mean, I remember there were like two or three guys that I can think of that I would, I would be able to point to that I could name who I would consider like, oh, I think, no, I think my dad had friends, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think, <laughs> you know, I, I think my dad had friends. Like I remember we would, we would go to this guy's house a lot you know, and, and like we would hang out, you know, sometimes because we lived on a lake when I was young and it was like, oh yeah, we would boat over there and they would like, you know, hang out and, 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 you know, talk and stuff like that. But I think it was mostly like, I mean, I, I don't have any idea what they talked about. Maybe it was business or maybe it was, you know, work. I, I, I really don't know. I don't think they got real deep and emotional about things. You know what I mean? Right. And, right. Uh, and so there might, there might've been, you know, three or four guys that I can think of, you know, we would go water skiing every morning pretty much, unless there was ice on the lake. And, you know, there were a couple of guys that, that I knew were his friends. And I knew that we had a couple of guys that he would kind of talk to some because I was a boy scout. My dad was, a, you know, assistant scout master and that kind of thing. And, and, uh, and so I knew there were some guys that he would kind of talk to there. But I don't ever recall being like, I know my dad. And I'm sure he certainly never talked about it. You know, I know my dad had really good, close friendships where they really shared a lot about their feelings and shared a lot about who they were, you know, and were able to, you know, build each other up and all that kind of stuff. I, I just don't really think he had that. You know, whereas now, and, and I know we're, this isn't an F3 podcast, but, you know, the, the second half of F3, fitness, fellowship, and faith, right, is that fellowship. And, I mean, I know in my heart of hearts, there's there's a hundred guys probably that I could I could call today, you know, and they'd be at my house that night. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's, yeah, yes, and those yes, are the kinds of, of friendships that develop. But I don't, I just don't think that was something that was common, you know, 20 and 30 years ago, at least not for men. I just don't think it was socially acceptable to to have those kinds of, of relationships. Exactly. Exactly. Guys, if we talk and we say something, you're like, what the heck did those guys say? And we don't explain something. Don't worry about <laughs> I'll do my it. Best. I'll do my best. Maybe, maybe write a word down or whatever, and feel free to shoot me an email at the Christian dad podcast at gmail.com. So real, real simple or, or shoot me a Facebook message or whatever, but don't, don't worry about it. if you get mixed up on a term, just keep listening. It'll be fine. It's going to be fun. <laughs> So I think a lot of guys relate to the spot that you grew up in. Sure. I can, I can at least relate from how I grew up. Uh, my dad had that work hard mentality. And, you know, if you provide for the family, if you bring the income in, things will sort of sort itself out. Like we'll get that part figured out. Right. Yeah. He came from a spot where they certainly had struggle and everything else. And, you know, he didn't want our family to struggle that way. That's and a, often yeah, that's when I really said, Hey dad, point. what about this? He would say, you know, son, I don't have that answer. I'm struggling with that. I don't know where to find that answer. Yeah. But, you know, or he would come to me with something and go, I don't know this one. And I suggest for your future, you figure out the answer, but I don't, I don't know where to get yeah. it. I don't know what, you know, that's I was like, yeah. thank you so much for cluing me in of, you know, potential pitfalls. Yeah. Here's the places you're going to fail. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I wish we'd had that. We didn't, we didn't quite have that, but yeah, that's good. Yeah. 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 So, that, so that was cool. So we kind of have a similar 
yeah, in, yeah. In, in a few sort of ways. My dad certainly was uh, successful with his definition of success, and he certainly didn't want to re- repeat the mistakes from his father. Yeah. You know, and as guys these days, I'm encouraged because a lot of guys are like, I want to be the best dad that I can be. Yeah. So that's pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. And uh, so how did you get past kind of some of the, some of the things, like when you're looking at the example of, I'm not going to do this, how did you move into what you are going to do? Cause a lot of guys will just go to inaction. Sure. Yeah. You know, and that uh, of all the things that I think I did learn uh, growing up is uh, and maybe some of it's hardwired in there too. Right. But inaction is not really an option uh, for me in my my world and my brain. Like I, I, that's just not something that I understand. Right. If you don't like what's happening, then do something, right. Whatever that is, I don't care what it is, just do something, you know, you can figure it out as you go, but, but uh, yeah, so it's never prone to, to not do something. I think what happened was, you know, where, where we kind of started with was, you know, you can either be a, a good example or hideous warning. Right. So I had the hideous warning to some degree at home and <clears throat> thankfully our faith, my faith, I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and it's very family-oriented faith. And so we would go to church, and I would see examples. You know, so I had external examples of men who were living different. You know, were, were trying to do it differently. Who were who were more loving and caring and emotive and those kinds of things to their family. Or I would see, I would look at my friends, uh, even at school and places like that too. Right? I would I would look at my friends and go, those guys are idiots. Okay, these guys are more effective as human beings. They seem like they're doing pretty good. You know, they seem more centered and and you know whatever. And so I would look at those kids, and then I would look at their parents. Like I would get to know that kid, and and look at their parents and kind of go, okay, well, what are they doing? Like, what are those things that I could repeat, or what are those things that are useful? You know, that that would be helpful later on. And I would just like make little mental notes, essentially. You know, I mean, this is long before I had kids, obviously, right? And I would just think to myself, if I ever am a dad. Because there was a long period of time, Dan, I'll tell you, where I was like, I don't want to get married and I don't want to have kids because I don't want to repeat any of this. Wow. What a thought to have. Right. (laughs) I know. Like now you kind of go, oh, that's not very good. But um, yeah. And you can relate. You know, you run into 25 year old guys, 30 year old guys that are like, absolutely. I'm not going that direction. Yeah. I just everything about it seemed I just I was afraid of being mean to my kids. You know, I was, I was just afraid. I was just terrified of the idea of being in that situation and then repeating that behavior and then having kids, some kid, my kid feel like I felt, you know, mm-hmm. in the way that I was just, you know, just all mixed up and angry and all that kind of stuff all the time when I was a kid. Um, but, but yeah, so, you know, I, I had some external examples. I would make these mental notes and I thought if I'm ever a parent, you know, maybe I'll do that or maybe I'll do this. And then as, you know, obviously as time progresses, you start realizing, this is probably a thing that's going to happen. I reckon I'll marry a girl somewhere in here, you know, and at some point we'll probably have kids. And, and, and then it was, you know, I'd make these mental notes and whatever, but as it, I think it really took the, well, there were two things that happened. I, I'll, I'll say that. And, and usually Dan, when I say there's two things, it's probably 10 things, but I'll start with two. And if it expands out, I apologize, <laughs> but, but, uh, but a couple things that happened that, that really made the biggest difference and the biggest shift Right. And the first one really was, uh, and, and I love that this is a Christian uh, dad podcast because we can talk about it openly. But the, the first thing was a, a me kind of gaining a real understanding and, and I don't know the right word is testimony, if you will, uh, or conviction, if you will, uh, of Jesus Christ. You know, I mean, that was probably the biggest thing that changed, you know, flipped it 
flipped the script from, I don't want to do this. I want anything to, you know, I, I have no interest or involvement in any of that, but to, but the, this, this coming to Christ and this coming to an understanding of my personal faith and my, you know, that there was a plan for me, you know, that this, this is not just all this, the big, you know, giant accident and, you know, and just nothing means anything and whatever. Right. So coming to that realization and, and having that, that experience uh, that I did uh, in, in, in coming to faith, I think really was one of the biggest shifts you know, cause then, then suddenly everything started to make sense, you know, and there, and there was greater purpose to it all. And I could understand how, oh, by becoming a husband and by becoming a father, I am going to learn what it is that I'm supposed to become so that I can, I can be the person and the man that, that God wants me to be, you know, and, and, and that I was designed to be the, re- you know, essentially the reason that I was put here. Um, you know, in, in the big eternal purpose kind of yeah, stuff, not yeah. necessarily my individual purpose, but, you know, in that big umbrella of what, you know, why are we on earth? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Right. I started to see my place in that by doing that. Then all those little mental notes that I started making, they had more context and they had a place where I could put and go, Oh, okay. That's why those guys did those things that way. You know what I mean? And so it, it kind of just put it all together into a, a way that made sense to me that, that, that then I could kind of act on, you know, but really, you know, uh, my mother-in-law has a great thing that hangs in her. Now they come from a family of eight kids. My wife does and, uh, pass, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I say all the time, Dan, you know why I don't have four kids? Cause I had three kids and that <laughs> no thanks, you know, uh, but she comes from a family of eight kids. And I remember when I was first, you know, courting my wife and that sort of thing, there's the cross stitch or something hanging in the kitchen, you know, on the kitchen wall. I said something along the lines of, you know, before I had kids, I had eight different theories about how to raise them. Now that I have eight kids, I have no theories, you know, it's all out the window. It's it's something to that effect. Right. And, uh, and that's really, you know, that's kind of where I, I I feel like too, is that, you know, I had all these great ideas and all these things we thought, but bro, as soon as we had one kid, like then, then you're whole and you're like, oh dear. Yeah. You you remember that feeling. Oh yeah. And we were like, what, what am I supposed to do now? You mean, you mean we leave now? Right. And then what? <laughs> yeah. Wait, 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 wait. No one's going to take this thing away in the middle of the night and feed it. Like we got a problem here. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure. I know yeah. what I'm signed up for. And um, fortunately, you know, our oldest is, is a freaking angel, but uh, yeah, she, if she wasn't so good, we wouldn't have had the second one. I mean, I'll tell you that. Right. You know, but, uh, but yeah, once you, once you're holding the, the child, that makes a big difference, but I think also it has a lot to do with the understanding again of, of this, this understanding of where I fit uh, with relation to God and what his expectation is of me. Right. And so as a parent, my belief is the way that I've always viewed it is, you know, I'm a child of God, but this, this person, this little person is also a child of God, mm-hmm. which means we're a little more on equal footing in, in, in kind of a giant eternal sense, right. Then, then maybe I had previously thought, right. I'm the dad, because that's the way it was always presented to us is I'm the dad. You'll do what I say. Right. You know, I have ultimate control. This is the way this goes. So, so in looking at that, the way that my wife and I, you know, we, we talked a lot about how we were going to try and do this whole thing, you know, early on and whatever. Right. And we sort of look at it as, Hey, we're just stewards you know, for this, this 20 year period or whatever it is, you know, until this, this human being is, is old enough and and capable enough. And, and it's time for them to leave father and mother and cleave unto their spouse. Right. 
we're just here to, to kind of steward the whole deal. And that, honestly, that sort of mentality, that way of looking at it has made a tremendous amount of difference in how we, uh, how we parent and the, and the theory that we, you know, the way that we approach it and all that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, it's a, a huge difference because rather than saying, well, I have to do something to make this kid. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been very hands off. We just kind of say, Hey, look, I'll provide as much guidance and teach you as many things as I can about how you are supposed to make your own decisions. Because ultimately at the end of the day, I'm not involved. You're going to live a lot more years outside of this house than you are in them. Yes. You know, and you're going to have a lot more influences from out there than you are from in here. And so we're going to, you know, we're going to spend those first eight years really trying to get this, you know, dialed in, right? This is how you expect things. This is what you, you know, making sure that you feel just as safe and as loved and as cared for as humanly possible. Then, you know, that eight to 16 time frame. okay, now we're going to teach you how to, how to learn things, how to make decisions, how to, you know, and then from that 16 to 18, man, it's kind of the, well, you're going to have to start just doing stuff and you're going to fail a bunch and we'll keep picking it up and we'll, you know, we'll figure it out together, you know, whatever. But, you know, we kind of look at it like that is, is, is we have this, you know, this stewardship journey that we're, we're kind of taking with the kids. And, and so, you know, we're going to screw it up and we're going to, you know, we tell the oldest one all the time, Hey, look, I'm sorry. Uh, you're the experimental child. You know? Yes. Yes. <laughs> we have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> so yeah. I always like to ask guys takeaways and different things. So here's a couple takeaways. Yeah. Uh, success leaves clues. Sure. So if you look back at your, your parents and go, ah, you know, not a lot to work with there or a lot of bad examples there success leaves clues. And one thing you did was you looked to other people that had what you saw as success and said, sure. I'm going to start taking yeah, yeah. notes. I'm going to start collecting these. I'm going to go a direction in college. I learned the term, uh, R and D rip off and <laughs> right. duplicate. <laughs> so there's research. That's pretty design, good. There's also yeah, yeah. rip off, and rip off and duplicate. I like that. Yeah. 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 So you're, you're looking for something and you got an area where you're, you're not quite clicking, reach out to somebody or, you know, reach out to us, throw something in the Facebook community and say, Hey man, I could use some help in this area and then take other people's ideas and literally just rip off and duplicate. If they've already got the success thing going, somebody else has already built the wheel, do it the same way they did it. Try it out. Yeah. I mean, you know, we talk a lot in, in, in this men's organization that you and I were talking about before F3, but you know, we, we kind of say, Hey, look, like, if you, if you were uh, starting a new city, you're not going to lay telegraph wire, you know, right, and then right. wait till they figure that out. And then we'll put phones in. Nah, bro. Like you just go lay the fiber. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, lay, just lay it. Like there's no, you know, so there's no sense in, in, in trying to reinvent or recreate or, or, you know, whatever things that, that are old and, and doesn't matter. Right. So we just really look and go, Hey, if, to your point, I mean, I love that you said that, uh, ask a question in the Facebook group. Our parents had no Facebook group. No. I mean, they barely had a neighborhood group if they were lucky. You know, like yes. it, it, yes. it was not even an option. You know, and now, like I can, I can ask a question. You know, out on the uh, on a Facebook post or whatever, and you know, within minutes, I can have hundreds of answers from around the entire world of things that people have tried. And it's really easy to look and go, "Well, that's stupid. I'm not doing that." You know, or to exactly. say, "Huh, okay, you know what? That might actually be a thing," and then try it. And, and that's the other thing too, is back then, I think failure was, was much more of a terminating event. You know, there was much more of a view of failure as, well, if this didn't go right the first time, then we got, we got a real problem, you know, and I yeah, think we're yeah. as a culture, I think we're much more comfortable uh, with failure now, you know, it's okay for us to screw stuff up. We admit that now, 
you know? Yes. Yes. And, uh, you know, there's much less of a perfectionist kind of culture that we, you know, we live in. I don't think people feel the same need to, to kind of put on the good face, you know, and pretend that everything is just fine. I mean, there's still a lot of that, obviously, but, but you know, in the fifties, you know, mm. when like my dad was growing up, mm-hmm. come on, man. I mean, nobody, I mean, that you did not, nothing was ever wrong. I mean, there's a reason right. we joke about it now. Right. You know, so, so now I think we're much more tolerant and, and willing to say, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm exhibiting vulnerability. Like I, <laughs> I don't yes. know, help, you know, somebody help me and, and people are more than willing to jump in and do it. So we were out doing a, a ruck the other day and we we're doing something called Q source. Again, don't worry about the lexicon. Don't worry <laughs> about the, just, just roll with us folks. That's right. So uh, a ruck is just walking around with some heavy weight on your back. No big deal. So there's a group of us and we were talking about terminology and, and mm-hmm. one of the guys says in my leadership group that I run, I focus on the word. And then I focus on defining the word for the group that I'm in. And I do that as fantastic. Like, because we throw out these vague terms like vulnerability and we don't sure. actually know what anybody's talking yeah, about. What, we don't have a, you know, we got a, a yeah. sense for what we might be going on. And I said, hey, well, let's talk about it. I'm like, what does vulnerability mean to you guys? And they each had different versions of things. And uh, ultimately I was like, how about consider this as a definition being open and exposed and the possibility of harm to yourself. That's pretty solid, man. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. They're like, when I say something that pulls it back and exposes a weakness, Mm -hmm. somebody can jump in and tear me apart. They could. They could. And and so the willingness to take that risk is part of what the, part of what that vulnerability is about for you. Yeah. No, I love that. Yeah. 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 And all the guys were like, yeah, that's it. That's what, that's what the fear is, is the fear of you know, knowing you can protect yourself, knowing you can defend yourself, not exposing yourself to harm, but doing it anyway. And yeah. that allows guys to bond and get closer and allows you to level up. So I'm always looking to level up and looking for people around me that are leveled up in areas where I want to grow. So, yeah, no, I love that. Yep. I love that. So I heard a quote from you. It was, oh, yeah, yeah. And it was more of a question. So I love collecting questions. And this one's a quality question. One of the greatest ones I've ever heard for a number of different reasons. But the, the question is, brother, aren't you tired? Aren't you tired of living less than what you were created for? Mm. Gosh, man, that sounds so smart when you yeah, say Yeah, you said that. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I heard that coming out of yeah. your mouth. And I was like, brother, I'm like, oh, here it is. Something's coming. Whenever somebody drops that brother, yeah, pauses, right, yeah, right, right. Aren't you tired? I'm like, man, I'm tired in a lot of different ways of my life. No doubt. What kind of tired yeah. is he going for? And then you follow right. it up with of living less than what you were created for. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I'm so tired and frustrated and everything else. Like, where are you going next? Like, I'm in whatever, whatever the next thing is that you're going to propose as a solution to that question. I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. So you want me to give you the solution? Is that what you're asking, Dan? I already know the solution, but yes, (laughs) yes. Give it to us. Yes. Give it to us. Let it rip. Yeah, no. Yeah. That's a good question. That's a tough one, right? I mean, to, to, to really face yourself and go, well, first of all, am I, you know, am I tired? You know, am I living less? Do I really believe that I'm living less than what I was created for? 
and and I think you know, there's a couple of things that are presupposed in there. One is, you know, why you're created. You know, do right. do you know why you're here? Do you know what your two feet hit the floor for every single morning? Now, again, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, sort of ultimate purpose, if you will, you mm-hmm. know, big eternal type purpose. But I think it's super important for for a man in particular, but even even a marriage. You know, my wife and I have spent a lot of time talking about this kind of stuff too, right? Where, you know, we say, hey, what's the purpose of our marriage? You know, what is, what is our mission as married people, you know, as Schwartz's, you know, what is, what is our mission, our family mission? And we've, you know, it's had iterations over years, right? And, and I, but I think it's a, a critical and important thing, especially for an individual to say, you know, what is my personal purpose? Why do I exist? Not why do people exist? You know, and so when guys come to me and they say things like, oh, well, you know, I, I want to help people. Yeah. No kidding. Right. I mean, that, <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's a, that's great. I think that's wonderful, but that really is kind of baked into that eternal purpose. Right. Right. Yeah. We're all here to help one another. You're not here to, to live for yourself and be a jerk. Right. We can all, I, I think we, if we agree on that, then, then we have some place to go from. Right. But the question is, is what's my role? what's my individual purpose or what is my purpose, you know, as a dad or, you know, as a husband or, or whatever it might be. Right. And so I think we have to spend a lot of time in order for us to, to live up to what we were created for. We got, we got to figure out exactly what that is. And that is a painful process in my experience. Um, I mean, other people may have had it much easier. I don't know, but uh, to, to come around and to really understand the, the reason that we were put here and to finally admit it to yourself, to, to allow it to happen. Right. Cause I fought against this for years and years and years too, because it was terrifying. I, don't want, <laughs> I just want, look, Dan, all I want to do, you know, we talk in F3 and stuff like, you know, we talk about the matrix, right. New matrix movie coming out. Right. You know, and, and Morpheus is there, you know, red pill, blue pill. Right. Yeah. And, and the blue pill, you know, and then there's the one guy, I can't remember his name somewhere in the movie and, and he kind of you know is the turncoat right and he says uh look i just want to remember nothing i know this steak isn't real but it but it tastes real to me right now and i don't just give me the blue pill plug me back into the matrix i just don't want to know anymore you know in my life if left to myself dan yeah that sounds great you know <laughs> right I, I don't want to try. I just, I just want like money to fall out of the sky and, and food, you know, delicious food to just sort of, but this isn't the garden of Eden. We left there. Right. You know? we, we left, and it was on purpose. You know, that wasn't an accident. You know, well, God knew this was going to happen. You know, he was well aware, you know, of where we were headed there. Right. So there is no Eden. This Eden's over the way that I read it in the scriptures now, and I'm a KJV guy. So forgive me for if it's archaic language, but uh, you know, by the sweat of your face, you're going to eat your bread. I mean, that's, that's the way that goes now. So we don't have the, the luxury of the matrix. You know, we took the red pill. You yes. know, we're, we're already in. Now, every guys that are fighting back to try and get you know, back to blue pill status, which there are lots, yes. you know, those guys are the ones that I'm, I'm asking that question for. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. I know you think this is going to help, but look how your life is going, brother. Like you play video games all day, you drink beer, you, you know, all these, like, and you just descend into nothingness. You're completely ineffective in your family. You're not doing anything that is providing them or anyone around you any value. 
you're just barely existing and, and really only existing at a level that's high enough to collect enough of a paycheck to pay for all the crap that you have around you. Yes. Yes. Uh, you can do it if you want. You know, I'm not, I'm not here to judge you. Like I'm not, I'm not mad at you if that's your deal, but I will tell you it's, it's better on this side. A hundred percent better. I tell guys all the time, you're more than a paycheck. Yeah, dude. More than a paycheck, man. And so, you know, if that's your belief that you, that you're here to, you know, collect money every two weeks or however often, you know, and, and then just die slowly on a couch somewhere while your family exists around you, your poor wife is in there, you know, hustling her face off, trying to raise children while you're just sort of like, but I bring home money. That's good enough. (laughs) Why not tell you, man, that might've been fine 50 years ago. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That that might've been fine. It ain't fine anymore. We don't live in that world anymore. It just doesn't, isn't going to cut it. We have got, we have a fight against some of the things that come at us that tell us we're supposed to be a certain way. It's not acceptable. You can't just coast through. Exactly. It's just just not going to work. Exactly. Exactly. I was rucking with some guys and I said, Hey, who here are leaders? And it's a total setup question. Oh yeah. And what do guys tend to do? Jump right out in front and, you know, we're doing some fitness stuff. So of course somebody jumps on goes, man, I eat terrible and I'm not the greatest shape and other guys can do more pushups and you know, whatever, uh, all this stuff. And I'm like, man, why don't we jump right to that? I'm like, at, at the core of it, who here are leaders? And a couple guys are like, well, you know, I, I, I run a group at work and I do a thing and I, now oh, lead, <laughs> leaders lead and yeah. leadership is influence, nothing more than nothing less. Uh, like with yeah. influence, we're either influencing, as you said earlier, as a good example or a hideous example, a hideous one, <laughs> or, or may even worse, lukewarm. Like, ah. Uh, uh, that's that, stand, you know that's a really good point. God right? can't stand lukewarm people. So if you're in the fence, toeing the line, and everything else, people don't necessarily know that things are going bad or whatever. Like, get on fire, brother! Get on fire! So, yeah. with that example, I said, think about each different area of your life. You're influencing in each of those areas. So where are you? Are you the good example, and are you exhibiting true good leadership where you love one another and? are doing for the good of the group and self-sacrifice or you kind of lukewarm and just allowing things to happen as they happen, which typically you don't get the greatest result when that is. Yeah. And the guys I was with, I was assuming that we didn't have any hideous people around us. (laughs) Reasonable ish expectation. Yeah. 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 In an F3 group, there's those guys don't, don't usually show up. And if if they do they're they've already moved themselves at least up to considering. That's right. Yeah. They're they're, they're working on it at least. Yeah. yeah, Yes. Yeah. 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 So leadership focus group. So fitness obviously is a big, big thing. And part of it, you don't have to be super fit guys. If you check out F3 nation.com and realize that there's not one in your city, start one. Yeah. Raise your hand, man. Well, raise your hand. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll be help. glad to get you help. Uh, it's real easy to get guys around you to rally around this idea. There's books, there's all kinds of stuff out there. It's fantastic, but uh, it's, it's easy to get involved with an F3 group, wherever you are in the nation, in the country, give us some, some leadership stuff out of F3, some things that are like really important to you that you just go back to all the time. Oh, sure. Sure. Well, I mean, you know, the, the first thing we would start with is we have a mission. You know, F3 is a missional organization. We, it's not a workout group. It is, it is an organization that plants, grows, and serves small workout groups. 
in order to invigorate male community leadership. That's, that's what we're trying to do is invigorate leadership in men. Right. And we have a credo, which I think is important. Right. We, we say, look, we leave no man behind, but we leave no man where we found him because we don't want you left behind, but we also aren't the kind of guy, you know, uh, my, my good friend, Dave Redding always says, it's a strange kind of love that will leave a man in a lie. Yeah. You know? And, uh, and so we, while we won't leave you where you were, you know, we're not gonna leave you behind. We're not going to let you fall, fall out. We're also not going to accept the hideous warning behavior. You know, we're going to show you love and have you understand that, you know, <laughs> ask you the question, aren't you tired of living less than what you were created for? Right. I mean, that's what we're, we're really all about. And so some of the things that I love that, that F3 has taught me is number one, you're capable of far more than you think you are. Uh, 90% of what you think you can't do is just a, a BS made up story that's in your head. And I don't know where you learned it, whether you learned it from your parents, whether you learned it from life, you know, or whatever, that doesn't matter where you got that, that false notion, but, but a lot of us have it, but it's all false. You can just sound simple and it is simple in theory. It's very difficult, but it's, it, the, it's very simplistic in the sense that it's look, man, all you have to do is grab two sides of the porcelain in front of you, look the guy in the mirror and go, okay, I'm done. That's it. Just make the decision, make the decision. And then, and then once that decision gets made, you can start making tiny little decisions of behaviors and things like that. And you got a crap ton of work to do. Absolutely. But it all starts with the decision right? The decision to actually try, the decision to, to, to make an attempt to get better and then to en enlist, as we were talking about, you know, the help that you're going to need to do it. The, again, this, this idea, again, antiquated idea, I think of that, you know, I'm here to do this alone. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the gladiator on my own. You know, I don't know if you've ever watched these movies. These gladiators don't fight by themselves. No, no, they you know, shield lock. Right? Yeah, you know, that's not how it works, right? So to have, you know, to bring in men around you, whatever those things are, whatever resources you have to have. See, that's the thing is I think we still suffer under the notion sometimes that it's all, that I'm responsible for it all as the man or as the dad or, or whatever. Like, bro, I'm not responsible like I may be ultimately accountable for the success of my life. True. But I'm not responsible for figuring it all out as I go. I don't have any idea how to do a lot of things. I mean, we live in a world now where there's so much information. The big challenge you have is not, is not having the information that would teach you the thing or having the resources or having the people around you. The challenge is a sifting through and figuring out which information, you know, worthwhile and not. But then the other thing is, is, just having the stones, having the guts to just go ahead and ask, to go ahead and seek the answer rather than, than letting your ego get in the way and say, well, you know, I, I got to handle this on my own. I'm the man. I got to, I got to do this stuff on my own. You know, I, I'm, 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 a, I'm an Island. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's the most, most horrifying lie. I think that men have been told for a long, long time, because again, I'm telling you, it's better over here. It's way better over here, you know, with, with help, with assistance, with, you know, men that, I mean, I, you know, I have a, a we call it a shield lock. It's a group of, you know, yeah. roughly three or four guys that you kind of meet with on a regular basis. I meet with my guys every Friday morning. They know when there's certain things that are happening in my life where I'm getting twisted up about this or that or the other thing, or, or if I'm, they'll either, they'll either see it 
in my face when I meet with them, right? And they'll know something's wrong. Or if I'm feeling it, I know I I just instantly call them. That's just what happens. You know, I just pick up the phone and go, hey, uh, I'm all in my baby feelings about something. You know, I'm, I'm getting ready to run in the corner and suck my thumb and I need to talk me off the ledge. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's as simple as that, right? If you want to be a more effective father, if you want to be a more effective Christian, if you want to be a more effective human being, that's what you need. You've got to have someone, you've got to have it. You've got to have a group of support of some kind or other. Hopefully it's not digital. Hopefully it's not virtual. Hopefully it's a, a real in-person kind of a thing, right? But uh, if, if all you've got is digital and virtual, then by golly, get that. You know, don't, <laughs> don't think that the resources aren't there. Cause that's just a lie. Yeah. Um, it, it just is. So, so funny story for you. I go down to Florida family vacation and I think to myself, gosh, dang, I, I got to go find an F3 workout group. Cause I can't <laughs> not do this. Yeah. Sure enough where I go South of Clearwater, there's three different groups. I'll meet with a, about 45 minutes away for each one of them. Ugh. And I'm like, Oh man, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to have to get up at like three 30, four o'clock in the morning so that I can get ready, get in the car, yeah, drive that yeah. far. So of course I do it. And yeah, cause you're a man. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I've been connecting with a couple groups digitally down there or whatever. And I lose my wedding ring on the beach, like oh, no. the craziest story. And I'm yeah. like, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And I wake up the next morning, I was angry and mad and had this thing for 19 years and 20 years and it's gone. Right. Uh, married 19 years, folks. I didn't forget how long, but like the wedding yeah. ring I've actually had yeah. longer than yeah. the marriage. But anyway, side note, and uh, it's gone. I'm like, where the heck is it? I don't know. And my wife or my kids in the morning go, hey, why don't you get a metal detector? Okay, cool. That's a great idea. Where would I get uh, one on a Saturday morning? I'll call <laughs> rental shops. I'll call all the <laughs> hardware stores. There's not a single metal right. detector to be found on a Saturday morning. So I throw right. in the uh, F3 Facebook group. Hey, yeah. man down here you know i'm yeah. down range what are the chances yeah you know, sure enough a guy messages me almost instantly says i can't help you at all i don't have a metal detector i don't know a thing about it however i do know a guy and i sent him a message he happens to be an f3 guy his uh -huh. name is anthony young i think he'd like to help you however i haven't talked to him yet but but i sent him a message so you, you might get a message Sure enough, it. within 15 minutes, I get a message from Anthony Young uh -huh. and he says, I'm really sorry. I can't come right now. We had a really <laughs> right. hard beat down workout this morning. Uh -huh. I need to recover a little bit. Would it be okay if I got there about 1130? And you're like, yeah, yeah, that would be a <laughs> miracle. Right? That'd be a miracle. So I'm like, where are you coming from? And he's coming from 45 minutes away or so. Mm -hmm. Sure enough, he shows up at the time he says he's going to show up. He brings his two daughters. He brings his wife. He brings two metal detectors and he brings all this other equipment. Uh -huh. We get it all set up and I go and I tell him that I went for a morning run. And so he's thinking it's somewhere in a four mile stretch of the beach. Right, right. I don't realize that's what he's thinking. And I'm like, no, I think it's in this like 10 by 10 square because this is the last place I saw it. And sure enough, we swiped the metal detector like three times and I'm like, it keeps beeping. He's no like, way. Oh, there's so many false positives in the salt water and the blah, blah. I'm like, could we just check though? <laughs> sure. No enough, way. It was right there. Needle in a haystack. And I'm like, this is unbelievable. This workout group and some random guy's yeah. willing to drive 45 minutes out of his way to come help me 
at the drop of a hat. And he's going to apologize because he can't be there. Right. 25 minutes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what are you nuts? But that's gonna, hanging out all day and going to the beach. And he's like, this was the greatest gift to my family. One, we love hunting for stuff with metal detectors and we've never found anything of significant value. So this was awesome. And secondly, we ended up getting to go to uh, the beach that we haven't been to in quite some time. And we got to have the most awesome family day because of your misfortune. And I'm I like mean, in tears. I'm like, dude, you don't know what this meant to me. Like, yeah. I didn't want to go buy another ring. Like I wanted, no, you wanted ring your back. ring. Yeah. 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 So yeah. it was so cool. But anyway, like that's what F3 like just killed it. Well, that's one of the beauties of, of, I think of what you're doing with, with, you know, Christian Dan and all this kind of stuff with the podcast, like the, the creation of community is super important, I think, to the success of, of people, right? I mean, we were meant to be communal creatures. We were meant to be around one another. And, and so by doing these things, this, this is the beauty, right? We can share these ideas. We can share these thoughts. We can share these feelings. We can talk about what does it mean to be a good dad? You know, I can, I can, I mean, here I am, I, I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. You're in St. Louis area. Right. Right. And, and we're going to talk about this. And, and I mean, again, the, the possibilities are ridiculous with what we have, you know, the, with all the tools and the resources and stuff, we, we have never been richer you know, in, in an abundance of, of resources and everything else uh, than, than now, like it's, it's comical almost. Right. And, and so here we are. And, and so I can, t- I can sit here and say, Hey, you know, what really worked for us then was we, and it's funny because my kids don't even know what to say when their friends say, Oh, I'm grounded. They're like, we've never been grounded. It's not because I'm a lenient parent because I'm not, I have very high expectations of my kids, but that's the beauty. The expectation does the work for me. You know, I've told them what, you know, kind of what I want them to be. Not that I want them to get good grades and all that kind of crap. That's garbage. I, who cares? Nobody cares. In fact, I've told my kids many times, I'm like, you should get a B once in a while just to see what it feels like. like these <laughs> little overachievers. That, I mean, ugh, it's disgusting. But, uh, but you know, to, to be able to say, hey, look, by allowing the child to exercise their free agency and their free will, and then just allow the consequences you know, we keep it reasonable, right? Mm-hmm. Not that, I've, I've never had to impose a consequence because the things that happened because of the poor choice that they made was plenty mm-hmm. for them to understand and to teach. Now, did I, did my kids learn some stuff later than other kids? Probably, you know, probably, I don't know, because I didn't force it on them, you know, or whatever, but they've learned it, man. You know, they've learned it solid. Like you, they are very, very good kids. They're very, very strong uh, in, in their faith and they're very, very strong in the things that they believe. And I don't, you know, we don't pick, we just don't tell them, you know, what to do. They make these decisions for themselves and we let them, we're not total free range parents, you know, but, but we've not helicoptered really at all to any great. Do they come to you for advice? Do they ask you all the time, all the time? I'm, I'm helping. Like, I'll give you an example. Uh, 18 year old, she just turned 18. She's getting ready to go off to college. And she says, dad, I know that you showed me this before, but it's been a while. I need to put air in my tires. Will you help me? And I'm sure no problem. So what do I do? I just go, <laughs> I'm like, there's the compressor. You know? <laughs> Why don't you look at it and see if you can figure out which end touches, which end. And then, you know, ta-da, <laughs> you know, so we go out there and all she really needed was someone to stand there. So that she felt a little more confident, a little more comfortable with it, but, but I didn't tell her anything. 
you know, I mean, a couple of things, you know, I was like, well, you know, here, here's where you got to look. Remember, this is where you're going to look to find the max air pressure. And she's like, well, I thought it was this. And I know that's a different number, you know, or whatever. Right? So mm-hmm. you, you teach them the, the specific fact things, but, but then she just does it. And as she's filling up, you know, tire number four, she says, uh, Hey, I've been thinking a lot about college and, you know, some of these things because she's trying to decide where to go. She's gotten into a few and, and you're just trying to figure that out. She says, can we go ahead and, and uh, have another date? I've tried to date my daughters uh, once a yes. month for their yes. whole lives. Now I've, I, you know, I have not hit every month by a long shot. Right. Um, but, but they got used to a lot of consistency. And so she says, Hey, can we, can we go on a date again real soon? Cause I want to talk about goals and I want to talk through some of these finance things and I want, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. Heck yeah. All time. Right. All day, every day. And, and it's very, you know, allowing them to be much more self-directed has made them to be much more effective people than their peers. Now, you know, I see what their, their friends do guys. That is critical. I know we've talked about it on the podcast before, but guys, that is critical. Spend one-on-one time intentionally with your kids. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And and consistently do it consistently do it. And also absolutely, absolutely with your wife. Absolutely. That's one of the things I really, for really wanted my girls to learn was this is what being a man looks like. So when you go out there and you're starting to pick one, Remember mm-hmm. that this is what it's supposed to look like. You know, they show I'll even affection. I'll even tell them. Yeah. Hey, by the way, I'm opening the door for you. There's an example. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right. Like it, you know, that one's pretty yeah. obvious, but there's other things that I'll do and I'll say, Hey, see how I'm looking you in the eyes? Yeah. Da-da. There you go. Yeah. It does small and, things. Right. It doesn't take much. You know, and I'll leave you with this because I know we're kind of on our time, but you know, what, what we're really talking about in a lot of these things, at least in my mind, Dan, is the guy who won the Masters tournament golf, right? This past year, I don't know who it was, right? He probably shot, let's say five under, right? Right. Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Whatever it is. Right. And, and that guy probably made what, what five million bucks or something, right? For winning. I don't remember what right. the number is couple million bucks, whatever. The guy who got second place probably shot four under and probably got paid a couple hundred thousand bucks. So we're talking about like one stroke difference. Yeah. You know, I mean the, the positive impact and, and, and the things that we're trying to do a tiny little incremental change can make a huge amount of impact and a huge amount of difference. Just looking at your kid and saying, remember, you know, do you notice how I'm looking you in the eye? That's because that's how we are. That's how Luke's do things. Yes. Yeah. We're effective people. This is how we handle things. Right. So remember that forever. Yes. And, And so when she meets someone who's not willing to look her in the eye, guess what? That guy's out, you know, it's over, (laughs) you know, she understands. Can you throw a challenge out for the guys? I always like to finish with a challenge where they can do it between this week and next week. So between this podcast and next podcast. So in a one week cycle, you something want me can, to throw out a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love for you to throw out any kind of challenge. It doesn't have to matter, but something that helps dads be better, better men, right. better fathers, better. It this is what a, the challenge is. Yep. No, I'm with you. This is a, this is an F three ish thing, right? So at the end of every workout, one of our core principles is that we always end the workout in a circle of trust, always. We call a circle of trust. And what we do is that's an opportunity for guys to look across the circle and look another guy in the face and share what's on his heart. Uh, sometimes it's difficult. I mean, we've had everything shared in there from, uh, you know, I'm struggling with alcohol to, 
uh, my kid killed himself. I mean, you know, you've had everything mm -hmm. uh, shared in that circle. So it's a very effective method for us to bond as men and for us to exhibit some of that vulnerability as you defined before and to, to, to make public those things that we need to, to help with, you know, and to get better. Because inevitably someone will come across and be like, Hey man, I'm totally with you. We, you know, we had a similar thing or I don't understand what you're going through, but I'm here for you, you know, whatever it is. Right. So here's, here's the challenge at the end of the day, just like we would do it and end up a workout at the end of the day today, or sometime in the next week, you go home and have a circle of trust with your family. If you're not accustomed to doing that, I apologize in advance for making you uncomfortable, but whether that's around the dinner table, if you're not used to having dinner as a family, you know, around the dinner table, then, then circle them up and say, Hey guys, I wouldn't normally do this, but this crazy podcast guy named Dan said, I have to do it. You know, whatever, right? Yes, I don't care how you yes. set it up. doesn't matter. Right. But circle them up and look in their faces and have them share with you some of the things that are on their heart. Right. Pray as a family, whatever that thing is. Right. But, but you pull them together at the end of the day and have some kind of interaction that is deep and meaningful. Right. And I think that it, now this is, this is something that we practiced for our whole marriage pretty much. I mean, since the kids were super, super little, you know, we have always had family dinner, obviously with some exceptions, yeah. we've always read scripture together as a family. And we've always prayed together as a family every single night for the last, however many, you know, 15, 18, whatever years. Right. And so I'm, it doesn't matter if you've ever done it before or not, but you can start today right? You can start with this week of having one. And the next week, maybe you have another one. And then maybe the week after that, you try it twice. But you can start now to have a positive habit of bringing your family together at the end of the day and sharing and bonding and connecting with them. And I promise, I mean, I only know because again, not, I'm not bragging or whatever. It's, it just is what it is, right? It's as much my wife is, <laughs> you know, forced on that along as it is anything I've ever thought of. Right. But, uh, but it pays huge dividends. You want your children to trust you have that kind of interaction with them. I love that challenge. I do a 90 day challenge uh, in the community. And one of the reasons was your example, Hey kids or family or whatever. Hey, here's the deal. Here's, here's what the guys are doing. Oh, what are we doing now, dad? It's squat challenge day, guys. Oh, we're going to oh. do hundred squats as fast as we can. Dad, a hundred. Yep. That's what the guys are doing. Yeah. All right, then. Sorry. Can't. All right. Yeah, then. Yeah. Like that's what it is. <laughs> Blame it on that. <laughs> and the consistency of that, they're just ready for whatever challenge yeah. is. So in these 90 day yeah. challenge, I set up a small little thing to do every single day for the guys to do. Sometimes it involves kids or doesn't. So I'm going to in, include circle of trust in, in one of these days, I'm going to swap one of the days out for the future so that guys have the excuse of, Hey, listen, in the group I'm in, the guys did the thing or the podcast guy said the thing. So here, here right. yeah, I'm you can, challenged you can to make me this. the bad guy. I'm totally fine with that. Yes. Yeah, I won't yes. be offended. <laughs> yeah. So, so I love it and I love it so much. It's going to go inside of the planned activities that we got going forward. So that is awesome. And guys love awesome. challenges. Guys absolutely love challenges. And that's one of the reasons why we love F3. Amen. Amen. Well, I, I appreciate you greatly. Appreciate your time. Appreciate all the stuff you do with F3 and the leadership and the leadership that you teach us. And uh, man, this thing is spreading like wildfire across the country. And I love it. 
Oh, thank you, Dan. I appreciate your time, man. Very, very much. Keep Absolutely. Thank you, Dark Helmet. That was Frank Schwartz on okay, the Journey Christian Podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell Ralph you said hi. I will. Good deal. All right. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Journey of a Christian Dad Podcast. Thank you guys for being a light. Shine that light out and let others see it. With you guys, part of this community, it helps me be accountable to you guys. It helps me be accountable to myself be accountable to God and Jesus. I hope you appreciated this episode and picked up some great things. Hope you like the challenge and hope you can execute on that challenge this week. I ask of you, please subscribe, share the show with others, join us inside of the journey of a Christian dad on Facebook, inside our private community. Share that community with others, have your buddies join, have other dads that are looking to grow in their faith grow as spiritual leaders of their family. As we engage in our journey and be intentional with it, we can help others grow theirs as well. We thank you again for listening. We thank you for all your reviews. Look forward to reading a review of yours on a future show. So, dear God, thanks for blessing all of us and thanks for drawing us closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have fun, guys.